The Dental Brief is brought to you by Omni Premier Marketing and the amazing guests who bring wisdom and advice that you can put to use to take your business and practices to the next level. Find us on Facebook and join the conversation. Get ready to grow because we are kicking off the next episode in three, two, one. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Dental Brief. I am so glad to have with us our guest today. We had to postpone a couple of times. Uh, last time was certainly uh, on me, but we're glad to have her here today. Uh, Gabriel Major. Uh, Gabriel. Hello, Hi, thank you. Thank you, Patrick, for having me. It's nice to be here today. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Uh, Gabriel, why don't you tell us, how did you get involved in dentistry? You know, I, I always like hearing those stories because they're never the way you think they're going to be. So Believe it or not, my journey started when I was in university. I was taking a Bachelor of Science degree in mathematics and statistics, mm. which the only reason I took it was because I thought it would be a super easy degree, which it was to me. But the problem was, is I realized back then, because that's quite some time ago, that really the types of jobs that I would get would either A, not support me, or B, I wouldn't enjoy it. So I was in my final year and a friend of mine recommended going into dental hygiene because A, would be able to pay my debts off for my degree. And B, it was um, a, a, a industry where dental hygienists were in great demand. So I went, okay, might as well try that. And you know what? Uh, that's a really long time ago. But at the end of the day, it was probably the best decision ever for myself. Getting I'm into consulting, I don't know if you want to hear that story. It, it's actually been a very non-linear um, road to where I am right now because I started clearly as a dental hygienist 30-some years ago and then just sort of working with all or in all sorts of contributing positions like uh, not just clinical dental hygienist but as a, a dental hygiene instructor and then eventually um, eventually transitioning into becoming the program director of a school where I learned how to develop curriculum, where I learned how to um, operations in terms of working with big business. I had to learn how to do that. And then I had to make sure that the success of our students uh, existed with their national board exams. From there, I ended up um, working or having a position as a, uh, an assessor for our college. I've since then also, on top of being a full-time consultant and starting my consultancy business, Gem Dental Experts, 12 years ago, I also work as a content advisor, public speaker, and publisher of our national magazine here in Canada, Oral Health Hygiene Magazine. Sure. So That's you... sort of what I mean. Like, it's very nonlinear. I just sort of tripped here, tripped there, ended up here, ended up there, and here I am now. It's amazing how that happens, Gabriel. So uh, let me ask this question. You're obviously meet a lot of dentists. You talk to a lot of people. You're talking to a lot of practices. Tell me what are some problems and challenges that you see practices and practice owners facing right now? Well, I'm going to say you probably get the same response from everybody that you asked that question to who's in the dental industry. But the main ones always are the retention at, uh, due to like, staff shortages and then the retention to staff to the staff that they do uh, obtain the other thing is always in particular in what i sort of focus on is optimal patient care mm 
or optimal patient outcomes, because I'm typically working with the dental hygiene teams. And then, of course, practice growth and revenue. So if doctors are coming to me, typically there's it, it's a, um, it's multifactorial in terms of what they're looking for me. They're wanting me to optimize their hygiene outcomes. They know they can be better, but they don't know how to do that. And then they're wondering in this economic climate, how can they grow their practices and on top of that, grow their revenue? So, and then with all that said, maintaining the staff that they have or re maintaining, retaining the staff that they have or attracting um, talent for their yeah. practice. Yeah. So this retention of talent uh, is really uh, a big part of profitability, right? They kind of go hand in hand. If you want to have an incredibly profitable thriving practice, it's pretty difficult to do that without having a great staff that, that sticks around. So, and, and you're right, it is a problem that we are hearing, right? It's it's a pretty common topic uh, on the show, but we have a lot of different answers to solving that problem. What are some ways that you think we can solve the, the retention, well, the, the thing is, is, and you hear this all the time too, I didn't invent this phrase, it's hire slow and hire quickly. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, is I think that, you know, bes besides a competitive salary, benefits is a big thing now that most practices are offering. And then another thing is professional development, like growth within the practice. And um, whether that be like in terms of the business part of it, or in terms of what I teach, which is the clinical aspect of it, I think that that is almost the term reciprocity is what you're creating with your staff. And because of that, you're getting the retention in terms of your staff and they're feeling more confident. They're feeling like they're a part of something bigger than just potentially their job that they, they do within your practice. So that's a big one for retention of, um, of staff. And I, what I always say when I'm working with teams, because I put on clinical workshops for professional development in terms of getting these optimal patient outcomes, that not only am I doing that for the doctor, but I'm also creating this retention within their practice in working with these dental hygienists. So tell me some real world examples of how you're doing that. Well, the, the examples are honestly just through my educational workshops, because what I do with my educational workshops is I take the team that has a myriad sort of backgrounds in terms of educational experiences, years of clinical experience, and I'm aligning everyone to the same um, current evidence-based literature. And then what I also do is align them to the doctor's vision, what it is that he's looking for. And in doing this, we're getting these optimal outcomes that create this confidence within the clinicians and creating the trust with their clients so that they can see the difference that they make in their clients' lives. And with that trust, we end up having very busy practices. Yeah, very you can get practices, and practices that grow and thrive because we've got not just the retention of the staff, but the retention and patients coming back more frequently than they have in the past. Yeah, there seems to be a snowball effect to uh, having a great team. I, I know some practices that have amazing teams and it seems like they always have a waiting list of people who want to come work there. So if they do have somebody that moves, somebody that retires or, or something similar to like that, there's always someone ready to fill that spot. Is that your experience? Well, I find that with the practices that I work with, 
Um, there are a lot of hygienists that want to work uh, in those practices because they want to be called, they want to be gem trained because they know if they're gem trained, they're working to their sort of highest level that they can in terms of patient care. And it's not just practices where people are coming and going, getting one cleaning, but where they're actually treating periodontal disease. They say the American Academy of Periodontology says that 86% of practices are not providing the standard of care to treat periodontal disease. Can you repeat that one more training. time? What's that percentage? Pardon? What's that? What was that percentage? 86%. So the thing is, is through my educational workshops, I'm making them part of the 14% of practices out there that are actually are treating, recognizing and treating periodontal disease. So this gets them super excited because their jobs don't become humdrum. Like they're no longer glorified cleaning people. They're actually treating patients' periodontal disease, which we now know is systemically connected, right? Sure. So there's a lot of pride in what they can accomplish, what they can do for their patients. And it's just being able to know or knowing that they have the confidence and the trust in their clients. Yeah, it's yeah, a huge statistics, but I've been doing what I've been doing for the last 12 years and there's not a shortage in the number of practices that want to work with me. And like I said, initially with doctors, when they come to me, they know typically they're coming to me because they know that the outcomes that they're seeing are not optimal. And they're wanting me to educate their hygiene team and the whole office because it affects the entire office. They want me to educate them so that they will see these optimal patient outcomes. And the best part of what I do is in leveling up the hygiene team and the entire office, this trying to achieve optimal patient outcomes results in huge practice growth and revenue. So it's a win-win situation in with the practices that I work with. It's rare that a doctor will come to me and say, I want to make more money. He usually comes to me and says, I need better outcomes for my patients. I don't feel we're getting them. Yeah, that's... And they get a whole lot more revenue. Yeah, that's just like a situation. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I got a, a question for you, and it's not scripted, so it's a little might take me a minute to get there. But one of the things that I see commonly happen is when doctors feel like they are they are when they are assessing periodontal disease in their patient, or they're talking to them about periodontal disease. I think a lot of dentists are afraid that the patient is going to leave there go get a second opinion, and that second opinion is going to tell them, oh, no, it's not a big deal in order to gain them as a patient. If that's a real-world situation that happens. How do you totally. think you can help curb that? How do you think you can help uh, remove that fear from dentists, from hygienists, and, and make this situation a positive one for the patient and for the practice? It's actually just called patient education. And it's also the way you set your patient up, like a person coming in within your practice. I teach that there's five clinical breakdowns that don't get you your optimal patient outcomes, which then don't result in practice growth and revenue. And one is a comprehensive, comprehensive oral exam, which means you need a full 90 minutes to do a comprehensive, comprehensive oral exam, all the requirements, and then taking the time to educate your patients and what your findings are, and then educating your patients in terms of what's going on in terms of their level of periodontal disease. And when they say, well, I've never been told this before, then you can uh, access, assess 
or access the literature and say, well, the parameters of health in the literature are, and you are here. So what has been done in the past is not getting you to health. And in fact, your periodontal disease is progressing and it will inevitably affect you systemically. So it all comes in to knowing the literature, knowing how to educate your patients about the literature and right from hello, gaining their trust in terms of the assessments that you're doing the explanation of the reset, the rationale of why you're doing the assessments that you're doing, and then coming up with a treatment plan that is based on the assessments, and then coming up with an accepted treatment plan based on what um, your clients can afford after that. And it's very, and I'll, I say to my clients all the time, it's very common that they're going to say that to you, that I can go down. I've never had this happen. I've never had more than a one-hour cleaning appointment. I have gotten a second opinion, and they say, and you have to be, you have to, as a clinic, be able to explain what you're doing differently. And, you know, really it is with the dental hygienist and them having those conversations with the patients. But yeah, nothing stops them from doing it. But at the end of the day, if it's all based on the most clin- the most evidence-based literature, and it makes sense. It's rare that people will say when you tell them they've got some level of periodontal disease, oh, I don't care. It's rare that they'll say that. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, Gabriel, your website has got a ton of content on it, a ton of information. It's gendentalexperts.com. I want to uh, encourage our audience to go look at it. Fantastic. I mean, the blog, videos, articles, it's, it's really amazing what you've done there. Um, let me ask you this uh, last question. If you're looking for someone to help build your hygiene program to um, better equip and enable your hygienist, um, how do you find somebody such as yourself? How would you go about, um, what questions would you ask an expert before you hire them to help you with your practice? Well, first of all, I um, it's, a, it's a great question because you know what, by the time I talk to a dentist and I say, how many, how many consultants have you worked with already and how sick are you of us? The answer is very sick of us consultants because you know what, at the end of the day, the three questions you should ask, and then I'm going to tell you what sets sort of gem dental apart from the rest is question number one is, and I'm always surprised because when, when I do ask that question, how sick are you of us and what did you, who did you hire? Not who did you hire, but what was it that, you, what are your specific problems? A lot of times what they tell me their problems are, and I finally get them start giving me some numbers, that it's really not the problem. It's an right. underlying problem. So do you know your specific problems? And then as a consultant, do you know how to really dig deep and find out what's really going on? So that's number one. What are your problems? And then being able to find them for your clients and then being able to express it to them in terms of this is what's broken. This is what can get fixed. And this can get you to where your like what you're like fix the needs that you have. Another question that is never asked is what is your return on your investment? Like when doctors say to me or when I'm speaking with a doctor, I will say something like within 15 months or whatever, I will get you a return on your investment. That is 100 percent. You need to know what that number is. If they don't have a number for you, then you need to question it. Sure. Right. It's not just let's just let's just get going and see what happens here. It's not a let's get going and let's see what happens here. You also the other thing is, is how long is the program? That's a really good question. And once you leave me, will I fall apart? 
because every good consultant will like what we're wanting you to leave us because we want to move on and sure. we want to make sure we've created those sustainable results for you and systems and processes that you can carry on or work with throughout the lifetime of your, your practice. Another one is ask the question if they can get consistent, measurable, and reproducible outcomes. Like how many times, Gabriel, have you gotten 100% return on your investment? How many times do you have a referral or referrals? The other thing is, is ask if they're moonlighting as a consultant or if they do this full time, because there's lots of consultants out there that work in a practice full time and moonlight as consultants. And it's very easy to be successful if you're focusing on one practice at a time and then relaying that message to other practices. But how successful would you be if you worked with multiple practices with minimal amount of time trying to get them the same results? Sure. So how long are you going to be here? What is your return on your investment? Not how much do you cost me? Right. And do you this full time? And do you get these consistent measurable outcomes? With Gem Dental, we're a little bit different because I... I am different from most consultants because I work with practices from the inside out with their clinical skills. And then I start to work on all of the external systems and processes to support all of the growth and revenue that we start to create around it. Whereas most consultants come in and fix all the problems and work from the outside in and probably right. never get the clinical aspect of dentistry because that's not their acumen. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a great philosophy and a great workflow. Um, I want to encourage our audience one more time, check out the website, gendentalexperts.com. There really is an amazing amount of content on there. I think you'll find it useful. Gabriel, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And thanks for giving me an opportunity to speak about my company and what we do. Still after 30 plus years, super passionate about what I do. And at the end of the day, I'm just trying to elevate clinicians, uh, help doctors out and improve patient outcomes. Thank you.